Today, we get to have coffee with my friend and superstar interior designer, April Tomlin. This conversation was extra special to me because while I anticipated our convo being all the tips for our homes, instead, we talked about how to help the homeless in our communities and the things we both care so deeply about. So don't worry, she does give us design tips too, but I just love this girl and I'm so excited for y'all to hear this conversation. So let's have coffee with Miss April Tomlin Interiors herself. Over the last couple of years, I personally have changed up some things when it comes to using household cleaners. If I can reduce using large plastic containers of cleaners consisting mostly of water, I'm going to do it. I started using Grove in my kitchen a couple of years ago, and I have loved it. I personally love their pretty refillable glass countertop spray bottles and the small concentrated cleaners that come in the mail. Grove carries hundreds of products aiming at replacing single-use plastics across your home and personal care routine. And by 2025, Grove will be 100% plastic-free, which is so amazing. Their concentrated cleaners and refillable glass bottles are friendlier to the planet and twice as effective as the leading natural brands. I love that Grove has sustainable products that you can use in every room of your home, from laundry care to hand soaps and so much more. So they have me covered. Their products are safe and come in refillable packaging that doesn't compromise on performance. Join over 2 million households already shopping sustainably at Grove and take the guesswork out of which products are good for you, your home, and the planet. Go to grove.com slash CWK today to get a free gift set worth up to 50 with your first order. Plus, shipping is fast and free. Get started right now at grove.com slash CWK. That's grove.com slash CWK. Now to April. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Coffee with Kaylee. Today, I have my friend, an interior design superstar, Miss April Tomlin. Hi, guys. <laughs> You're so bashful. I was like, not in real life, you're not bashful. No, no, I'm not a podcaster, so. Well, hey, you are today. I am today. You are today. today. Like, I'm not an interior designer, but I just make it up. That's right. You know? Exactly right. We were here in chat. We were actually watching the episode on New Girl where... Do you watch New Girl ever? No. Okay. Well, Schmidt and Cece buy this house to remodel. And she she's like, can I help decorating? And he goes, this is not Christmas cookies. It is interior design. <laughs> and it made me laugh so hard. And I was so like, true. is this something April thinks about? Like, yes. do people say that all the time? Yes. Yeah. People do say it all the time. They're like, so, you know, this is my friend and she decorates. And I'm like, mm. <laughs> I honestly wouldn't have thought there was a difference. I know there is, but like, I can't say I would have thought. The difference is, is that when you're doing design, like interior design, you're doing interior architecture in a sense. So, you know, drawing kitchens, CAD work, SketchUp, all these different things that, you know, you learn and you kind of understand like the whole foundation of the home and how it's built and how where the fireplace should go and what what foundation the fireplace should have and just all these different things and then decorating which I kind of wish that I did because it's less pressure (laughs) because it's just you know furnishing so it's definitely a part of what we do but like right now I don't think I'm doing any furnishing like currently at this moment it's all interior architecture because we just haven't made it to the furniture phase but literally I'm racking my nope one there's one in Utah that I'm doing furnishings for but everything else is pretty much all interior architecture right at this moment so that's the difference how many houses do you do at one time like do you have a cap you're like I can only do this many so it used to be like really high but now that we've gotten like larger projects with just such a detailed way of approaching it like right now we have 15 but they're all 
fairly large and very, very detailed. Yeah, that's a lot. Mm -hmm. Where before, like a couple years ago, it'd be like 36 or something crazy. So we just had to, you know, kind of evaluate. We've just gotten better. I have a whole team. Like I have the most brilliant women. And Jessica, who's my best friend from college, she runs all of my businesses. So she really helps me set boundaries and like, you know, look at the numbers and things that I don't know, I know nothing about. <laughs> she helps me do all those things. And so, yeah. I mean, I had decision fatigue with one home. Yeah. Like, I don't know how you survive. Like, I was like, I got to a point where I was like, just order both and I'll see them in the space and we'll just call it what we're going to call it. And hopefully I'll return it. And sometimes I did it. hundred percent. So I was no, too tired. I, on my own home, I'm the same way. So it's no different. That's why people hire people is... <laughs> Yeah, that's for, fair. for that reason. But I, I have the exact same th- thing. And in other people's home, I do the exact same thing. And then I have a full design team that I can ask. And little Polly, um, if you follow along, there's a couple girls that have been with me for a long time. Sarah's been with me 11 years and Polly's been with me for six. And Polly is smaller than I am. She's like <laughs> really small. And she was just up on like my sofa in my, uh, in my office, just deciding on this wallpaper and uh, and we were just going back and forth and I started bringing in Jessica, who's not even a designer. And I was like, what do you think? Hey, fresh <laughs> eyes, fresh, fresh eyes. eyes matter. Yeah. Cause we couldn't decide. So, so wallpaper's back. Oh yes. Wallpaper. Tell us all the things like give us all the life hacks on what is up to date in the interior design space. So, so yeah, I'll give you like the quick and skinny on how I feel. So I feel like after the pandemic, after this nightmare that we've kind of <laughs> all lived through, whether we wanted to or whether we didn't yeah. or whatever our viewpoint is, no matter what you, you know, you had to live in this world where you had to work from home, you had to wear a mask, you had to do all these things that were different. And so we saw a huge shift in interior design. We saw a huge shift in Nashville. Yeah. You know, everybody's moving here. Everybody wants to be here. Most of my clients are from out of town, um, you know, for various reasons. And the biggest thing is, is that they're the people from out of town are just wanting more of a home life and yard and pool mm-hmm. and the things that you realize really quickly, you know, you don't have when you're stuck there for a long period yeah. of time. Yeah. And then um, in the home industry, it was very like, how can I make this more peaceful? Luckily for us, like for our firm, we became a little more sought after because that's kind of how I am in general. Like mm-hmm. I thought that way before the pandemic, like I don't like a lot of noise in my home. And um, it's not that I don't like color. I actually really, really love color in different ways. So, but what I like in my home is to feel like I'm at peace. Like I need to be able to shut off when I'm at my house. And so a little bit about my story, cause I know that this, your viewers, um, you know, are people that like to see your heart and like see, you know, kind of where you come from. So where I come from is literally people are like, oh, I come from nothing. Like I literally did not know interior design was a thing when I was a kid. As a matter of fact, didn't even know until like I started kind of venturing out in like the pre-adolescent world that like people had art. Like I didn't know that. And then when I figured it out, I was like, oh my gosh, we have no art. We have no this, we have no that. (laughs) And it was because my mom, who is by the way, going to greet us all as we walk into heaven, it was a single mom and she had three jobs. And, you know, we were just those kids that like, she had to go to work and we would just be there at the house. And so like one of my earliest stories was, um, 
that my mom told me like later on she was like do you remember that time when you were eight and your brother was six and I came home and y'all had painted like my room as far as your little hands would get you <laughs> and I was like got kind of you know kind of like you got the paint out of the garage and and so I had this like deep insecurity I guess like growing up where it was like my house was not you know homey it, we couldn't afford it I mean we could wow. not afford to do that and she did the best that she could and and that was just not something that a she was good at and B, even if she was good at it, it was just not an option. And so that is kind of where like that insecurity turned into like a, a purpose like later on in life. Mm-hmm. And so that is, you know, why I do what I do and why I continue to do it even with kids is because when I go into a home, like I just I just really deeply connect, like no matter how much money you have, like some some people with like a lot of money, they still can't make it feel like home. Like that's yeah. what they ask me all the time. I literally was on a, a call with a big NFL player. So wife yesterday and she was just like I just want it to feel like home that's what she said she did not ask for any name brands she did not ask that's what she said and it just always hits home that that's what people want yeah they want their kids to feel to have that feeling they want their kids to come back when they go to college and bring their friends like that's kind of why I think it is important and I do think you can do it on any budget I really deeply believe that you know but I do think for kids they notice when some place feels like home and when it doesn't yeah that's crazy my parents naturally did that somehow we lost my parents house they moved here like five-ish years ago and so they retired down here and so we had to say goodbye to our childhood home and I'm so blown away now after like experiencing a home like what they did, it always felt like home. Mm-hmm. Like it was, you would have loved it. It was like all wood, beautiful wood floors and like incredible wallpapers. And it was like this cottage yeah. vibe and it was so cozy. It was always so cozy. Too cluttered for sure. And so that right. that's my, I feel like everyone has something they grew up with and they're like, I'm going to flip. I'm going to do something I'm going to do the, Yeah. So yeah. I am like, when in doubt, throw it out. Yeah. And by throw it out, I mean, donate to people who need it. Yes. But my mom just had so much stuff and she grew up in the depression. Oh, that's the whole generation. Yeah. It's like, I'll take stuff out to the garbage, like true garbage, (laughs) not give away. I'm just like, this is nobody ever would ever want this. And I work with the homeless population in Nashville and they would not want it. Do you know what I'm saying? Like that this would not even show up at their tent and she will go out to the trash. Like when I'm helping her and go get it, like go get it. And I'm like, no, mom. I know my mom, same thing, same exact thing. Actually, I would, I wasn't even planning on telling this story, but I would love for you to tell the story of Home Street. And we've, we all post about it yeah. in town when we're raising money for the homeless here, but you are like such a pivotal piece to why we even know about Steven. And if you want to give a brief kind of like yeah, story about that. I, I was sitting in on my couch and for the first time ever, I was shopping for the homeless. I don't know, you know, what happened. I've, obviously God, but I don't, what I'm saying is I don't know why that day there's nothing that happened that day it's not like I saw a homeless person nothing I was just sitting there watching the CMA awards and uh with my husband and he was like what are you doing over there and I was like I don't tell I was like I'm shopping for the homeless he's like how much money are you spending I was like it's a really good question that I'm not willing to answer and then he right at that moment this guy named Steven, like it was a commercial break or the CMAs were over. I can't really remember which, but like the, it was the CMAs were over. The news came on within like a millisecond of him saying that. And it was Steven talking about the homeless community in Nashville. And 
my husband just kind of started walking with Jesus recently. And and so this was kind of like one of those moments where I was just like, this is going to be really critical to his walk with God. I knew it right when it happened. And he, he was like, whoa, that was weird. And I was just like, I'm telling you <laughs> that like, I've just very much feel called to to do this right now. So then the next day, Lauren Akins was in my office for a presentation and I told her about it. And um, I'd actually typed out an email that night and I was like sending it to all my friends like, hey, like, let's donate. And I erased it. Like, I just didn't feel like right about it. So I erased it. And I told Lauren about it the next day. And she called me like two hours later. and She's like, hey, whatever you're going to do, I want to do it with you. And um, I was like, well, I don't really know what I'm going to do about it. So then later that day, another client of mine, Taylin Lewan, called me. She's like, hey, you know, I just moved here and I'm looking to get involved with some charities. Like, what are you involved with? I was just like, I'm going to be very honest with you. I'm involved in nothing. But as of this, as of last night, I could be involved. <laughs> and maybe taking thing, something on. In this thing called Home Straight Home, she was just like, let's throw an event. And I was like, I've never thrown an event before. My time is limited. I don't know if I can do it. And then she was just like, no, seriously, I have like, let's do it. And I was like, okay, so this was two weeks before we threw the event, two weeks. And it was Christmas. It was December. Yeah. And I genuinely feel like God threw the event. Like I'm not an event person. There were Christmas trees. There was, (laughs) I mean, there was food. There was, it was in a a nice place. Like, and we raised, you know, $250,000. Lauren and I went and met with Steven, sat down with him before the event and like kind of told him and he, he just couldn't like understand like what was happening. And I was just like, me and you both, buddy. I don't either. <laughs> Steven's story is he was homeless in Nashville for five years. And I've kind of always been that person where I don't really like it when people are like, well, they're probably going to spend the money on alcohol. And I'm like, well, I'd spend the money on alcohol too. If I had, <laughs> if I was going to sleep outside in the cold all night, do yeah. you know what I mean? Like some of my friends spend money on alcohol and they're not homeless. So yeah. what is the difference? Do you know what I'm saying? (laughs) Their situations are usually pretty bleak from birth. It's not like they chose it. It's like they were born into this life (laughs) that led them down this path. And, you know, some of them are a foster. Some of them are vets. Some of them. You know, Stephen adopted a daughter off the streets that was held in a basement and raped from the time she was born till the time she was 13 in Nashville. And so these stories are are horrible. Yeah. They didn't get there just from being lazy. Yeah. You know what I mean? Most of them never started in a good place. Mm -hmm. You know, they didn't have choices. You don't have choices when you're five. And that's how they're there. So in my opinion, we give and we stand before God and what they do with that gift, they have to stand before the same God. If you're doing like a huge giving to them and they could have done something with it positive, but most of the time when we give, we give them, you know, $5, what are they supposed to do with that? Do you see what I'm saying? Like, what are they really going to go do? Are they going to go get a apartment with $5? Are they going to change their life? Are they going to all of a sudden get teeth? Right. You know, Yeah. like, what are they going to do? So of course they're going to go buy a little something to eat and a drink to forget about where they are. Steven has changed the game. He meets them where they are, helps them get sleeping bags, jobs, you know, anything that they need. Arms amputated, like takes them to the hospital, puts them in his car and takes them. So it's just amazing to see God change someone in the 2020, 2022 era where it's not like Saul, you know, this is like modern day, like he changed this man and this person has committed their whole life to helping the poor which is the call of every christian period yes like i was just reading this morning i was just reading like the road to the cross kind of stuff and 
one of the last things he tells them is as you do unto the least of these 100%. And I so agree with what you're saying that like people don't give out of fear for what they're going to do with it. But you said it perfectly. We don't stand before God about what they did with our giving. Nope. We stand before God with what we did with our giving. Yep. And I love what Stephen does. As soon as we heard about it, we came on board. We were mm-hmm. we weren't at that first one because we were touring. We got to be a part of the second one. And it was so inspiring. And he he did a breakdown of why people are homeless. And most people assume it's addiction and all these things. And that was like the one of the least. One of the least. And it's the top one was lack of support. Yep. Lack of family support, loss of job. And if you've ever been there, we've been there where we didn't have enough money for something. And my parents were able to help us. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, that could have been us. Yeah. Like there was a point in Russ in my life that when we first got married, I look back and I'm like, we would have qualified for food stamps. <laughs> right. I It didn't even cross my mind. Yep. To do that, but we would have qualified. Yeah. But we had family support if we really needed it. If you really needed it. And we tried not to do that, but my mom would reload my Starbucks card. Yeah. You know, and I would be able to go get a coffee. And, but what Steven does as someone who did work in missions for so long, he is so disarming in that space because, because he's been there. Yep. When he makes the approach, there is no shame on the receiving end. They don't, they they do have their walls up and he tells all these stories of how he explains where he was and that he was in their shoes and he has no condemnation for where they're at and their lives are changed. They put someone in a hotel for the night, drive them to a a job interview, put them on a bus so they can get back to their families in Texas or it's these small acts that change the trajectory of someone's life. Yep. And that's why we believe in it so much. And we're so thankful that you pointed us to it because it really is making a difference. It's not just handing them one meal. No. And you know what I thought was so interesting and you can explain more detail. He was talking about like the hierarchy in the homeless community. Oh yeah. This blew my mind. You're going to tell it way better than me. Everybody thinks of homeless people as like downtown. Like when you go downtown and they're just sitting on you know the street he's kind of explained he was like no 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 that's not like the people that we're serving he was just like so the people downtown have like kind of claimed that territory and they're forever homeless like they're they want to be homeless they're they're going to stay down there and he was just like a true you know a homeless person that's like trying to get off the streets he was just like with if they go downtown like they'll get beat up like that's like it's, you know, if everybody watched Pretty Woman, it's like, this is my area. Yeah. You can't come over here. People give me money here. And he was just like a lot of homeless people that haven't been homeless for, you know, forever. They're out in the woods They're They have like camps, you yeah. know, where they find other homeless people and they set up tents and like Stephen goes and sets up those camps and they get kicked out by the government and things like that. But no, there is a hierarchy and they do like claim streets and things like that. And that that is not necessarily you know steven serves anybody who needs those people too but where he spends his time is going to find these people and getting them into like camps and tents and set up to where they feel like they do have a home and it's the sweetest thing y'all they will take their tent and you'll see like they'll find a chair like in a dumpster and they'll like sit it in front of their tent with like a little rug that's been rained on a thousand times and like you know someone did like try to do christmas lights that weren't even lit like on their tent but it just you know made them feel like it was christmas and they take very seriously like their trash like they'll walk their trash like very long ways to get it out of their camp like it's it's very sweet it just you know it just goes right back to everybody knows what that feeling is of like wanting it to be clean and fit even the homeless people 
people. They yeah. feel that they want to get their trash away. They want, but yeah, there's just different types. And, and there, there are a lot of people that have been out there a short time. I can tell like anytime I see somebody that has teeth and that doesn't look like too bad off, I'm like, they're newly homeless. And I'll call mm-hmm. Steven and be like, and they have no idea who Steven is. And, you know, he'll go and help them. I saw a man in Green Hills recently, or actually it was last year and it seems recent, but it is not. <laughs> and Steven, I mean, I had him that day with a new outfit and like going to get a job and he had a job the next day. It's just like, what kind of person? Like, you know, like I spend my time at work with my kids and Steven spends his time, you know, doing that. So it's, it's incredible. There's a special place in heaven for Steven. 100%. What would you say to those who don't live in Nashville? Like how could they help their community there? Like I know our church does little bags that you can buy and there's like a water, a granola bar and like just some basics that they keep in your car and you can hand out if someone needs something. Yeah, I mean, you can do things like that. You know, sometimes it just depends on like if you're a female, like Stephen would never encourage you to like get out of your car, right. and even though it's like that's not a thing. Like it's very yeah. safe. But, you know, we live in an unsafe world. So, you know, for me, like what I do is um, if I'm near anything with food, like I'll go get the food or I'll just simply like pull over and like roll down my window and be like, what do you actually need? And are you going to be here tomorrow? Because a lot of times they'll, you know, you don't have what they need and they don't expect you to come back. Sometimes they'll say like, I need some socks. And then you just try to talk to them. Where are you going to be? Are you going to be here tomorrow? Because I can bring you these things, you know. And then if you don't have anything, like one of the things that Stephen said to me that really set home was just like, you know how you drive and you're like, I'm not going to look at you. I'm not going to look at you. That is so disrespectful. Like, just look at them and be like, I'm so sorry. I don't have anything right now, but God bless you. You know what I mean? Just can you imagine standing there and people just like, or you can tell like, you know, it would be like if you did that, like if people were just like awkwardly avoiding you, it's like that is a actual human. And, you know, if you don't have anything for them, they get it. I mean, they get driven by all the time. So even just someone looking at them and being like, hi, you know, talking to them like they're not subpar humans is such a big heart thing. Mm Mm-hmm. So I think it'd be cool too. even I'm just thinking out loud, like getting a gift card to Target, Walmart, Walgreens, Mm -hmm. like they can get some of their basic needs. If you're afraid of, I don't want to give them money that could go to a liquor store here. At least you can't buy liquor in Target or Walmart, but some places I guess you could, but like a Walgreens. Yeah. I actually saw some guys who walk the same part of town Mm -hmm. and they were in the Walgreens I was in. And I was like, they were looking at headphones and I was like, I'm going to buy him headphones and because yeah. I know where he lives or where he like stands. Right. I'm like, well, I'm just going to buy the headphones I saw him looking at that he put back. Right. And bring them to him. Right. You know, like he's standing out there all day and that's he must right. have something he can listen to music on. 100%. And I'm like, that's makes it so much more enjoyable, whatever he's having to do. Yes. You know, just just that like simple stuff, just you know, simple stuff. Yeah. I'm so glad we went that direction. Yes. <laughs> I'll have I'm to have playing. Steven on here at some point, too, because his totally story should. is totally have Steven. So powerful. It's, it's so powerful. It, it really, really is. It is. It's powerful. Can you believe that Mother's Day is just around the corner? I want to remind you all about Thistle Farms, because if you don't yet have a gift nailed down for your mama, you don't need to look any further than the bath and body products of this life-changing organization. Every Thistle Farms candle, lotion, body scrub, and essential oil is handmade by a woman survivor of trafficking, prostitution, or addiction. In their program, women receive housing, trauma therapy, education, and personal development, all completely free. This lifelong community of support, combined with the financial freedom of meaning 
meaningful employment has changed the lives of thousands of women. I encourage you to visit thistlefarms.org where you can browse their stunning gift sets, body products, and also jewelry and home decor that are handmade by women survivors around the world. I promise you'll find a gift that any woman in your life will love and you'll be uplifting the woman survivor who made it. And just for my friends, Thistle Farms is offering a 15% discount when you use the code Coffee with Kaylee at checkout. Well, we'll get to what everyone wants to know from you, aside from how to take care of our people. I love that your your background is actually coming from not a lot because I feel like that when I do design in my home mm-hmm. and when I decorate my home. I'm a big spray painter. I'm a yes. big like <laughs> how to repurpose this thing yes. because I didn't have money to buy new picture frames. Yes. So I have I have a set of picture frames in this house that have been gold, black, now white. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I've been there too. Like how definitely been there. How to make your house a home on a budget. Yeah. So one of the things that I think is anybody can do, and probably lots of people on my team, if they were listening to this, they would not know this about me, but I can paint girl. I can trim out a room. (laughs) I don't do that today. I have painters, but um, you know, I think paint is, is very, very big and any space And I've lived in very small apartments. I've lived in so many different spaces and I painted them. At the end of the day, if I was going to live there for two years, I was like the very first thing I did was like paint my bedroom or paint some area of the house. I always in that we don't always paint our homes white. Nowadays, we're kind of not doing that as much, but we're doing like a lot of lime washing and and things like that. But painting your house white, Snowbound is kind of like my my newest go-to but most people don't want like a white couch mm-hmm. or a white chair they really don't because even as a guest you feel uncomfortable sitting there 100 it's uncomfortable it's un- and yeah. honestly it's so funny because like a sand colored sofa is gonna take the same chocolate stain from a kid that a white one is but there is something about it that's sitting on it it feels like okay i'm not going to like mess this couch Mm -hmm. up so most of the time when you go to buy an affordable couch they come in like sand tones gray tones you know those types of things and those tones look so much better on a white background because if you have your walls gray which most people tend to do and if you have them you know that's totally fine if you love them great if you love them great but for me i've actually heard recently someone was just like you know now all the spec home builders don't do the gray anymore because they've heard your podcast where (laughs) (laughs) or their wives have told them hey april so don't do that you know when you're in a house with no furniture gray or those colored walls look really really good when there's nothing in them but then when you like try to go put furniture in them it's very difficult you're like well i can't get this up because it looks weird with that wall and so a paint it will take you very very far i feel like painting furniture painting and then someone told me and you can google it but someone told me you know when you have like an old table that's like dark dark wood like yes, if you wanna, i did this i sent this to oh, you did you when with, you want to bleach it maybe it was yes, you. it was me oh, was <laughs> oh my gosh well that was meant to be because i couldn't remember but we bought a now a lot of our antiques bleached like pre-bleached like they're already bleached but like when I go around market and places like I'm looking at things where I'm like people are like getting rid of of these types of pieces in their home and I'm looking at them at market and they're just bleached that's the only difference they're selling them for you know good chunks of money and so and they use they use oven cleaner right so, yes, it's something like, yes, yes. That's what it is. I sent it to you. Yes. I was like, uh, do you think I could do this to my piano? Like, how amazing would it be? We yes. have this like dark wood piano that was Russ's grandmother's. It's beautiful, but it yeah. needs to be refinished anyway. Yes. And I was like, how cool? Because all, all of our floors are light wood. Yes. And I was like, what if we could bleach a piano? Yes. Because yes. have you ever seen a light wood 
grand baby grand piano no i have you have well Well, it was probably expensive (laughs) it was very expensive so in nicole's house right nicole clausen's house kim kardashian had this light wood piano and i I fell in love with i think it was kim it was somebody like that somebody that is untouchable and you're never going to figure out where that piano is from and i was like she's a piano player nicole not kim kardashian not kim kardashian (laughs) i mean maybe she is she is a piano player so in the center of her home which we haven't done a home tour of that yet that between the dining room and the living room like right when you walk through their front door there is a piano and it is in the center of the entire house and so that's kind of how we designed it when we were building it from the floor plan like i had that in the floor plans we create enough space i was like okay well this piano has to either be i don't want it to be white because people have those i don't want it to be dark because that doesn't fit the house anyway she found the piano but she was like this is the hardest thing i've ever done in my life so if you could figure out how to bleach one it that that's what it looks like it it looks bleached but i I do know the price of it and it wasn't cheap and it wasn't affordable whatsoever and but it's beautiful it is beautiful i have had the pleasure of walking in a lot of homes you have designed and that one i cannot wait for i'm gonna be like nicole i'm coming over ASAP. It's like a resort. It's so, it's like one of, it's very, and you know, she's one of those people that keeps it clean. Like she like really is yes. particular. Yes. You know, yeah. so Lauren, when you go to Lauren's house, it's like there's extra, <laughs> extra stuff. Like I'm, you're like, I didn't put that there. <laughs> you walk in, there's Easter bunnies hanging from the ceiling. <laughs> no one likes to decorate for holidays Lauren. quite like Lauren Aikens. Yeah. Every holiday, Every Valentine's Day, yeah. Easter. We were walking out of their house the other day and I was like, what is this? It was just like bunnies. And I was like, oh, Easter's coming. Yeah. <laughs> she yes. just loves it. 100%. And I love that that brings her so much joy. Yeah. 100%. So I, I do want to get back around to you asked me like what sidebar upstairs we were talking about my testimony and i'd i'd mentioned tripping on acid and this is before i became a christian <laughs> let's um, get straight to but it no we're not going to talk about that i'm going to leave that part out because it's too much but um for the record this was a very long time ago and she was tricked into it but yeah hey listen there was a man named saul and we're not judging mm-hmm. him so we're not going to judge me no we're not this <laughs> and is I a safe not, place and i did not know it was acid i thought it was beer in a form <laughs> of a paper no well, how old were you, you were like Eighth grade, someone yeah. someone did. I was raised in a harsh environment, like a very like hardcore. You yeah. know, it's like it was not out of the blue for like people to be doing drugs like really young. Yeah, and so that's just what you know. It was not like too far off, but also we did not know. We did not know, and and I haven't done it since. So don't, so no worries. But <laughs> so um, no worries, it, anyways, what we were talking about upstairs was testimony. So talking about in particular homes, Lauren's home, you know, kind of comes full circle into my testimony. So I was going to touch on that. So Mm. basically, I'm not going to get into all the specifics, but I I absolutely did not believe in God for for a while. Like I actively thought these people are, I'm a thinker. I ask a ton of questions. I don't accept anything blindly. So faith for me is extremely difficult. Mm -hmm. I have to understand it. I have to fully understand what it is that, when this is not just uh you know, faith or or religion or whatever you want to call it. This is with everything. Marriage. You know, I got married later. I had kids later. You know, I have to like fully buy in to whatever it is that I'm doing. And, but, but then once I do, I'm kind of, I'm kind of in. And so that's how it was with my faith. Like I was like, this doesn't make sense. Like none of this really adds up. Like I'm kind of watching people that do the church thing and I don't know, they just don't, I don't see any reason to like spend my time going to church when I'm paying attention to their life, I thought this was very young. We were like 15, you know, 13, wow. 14, 15. Yeah. I was like, this just makes no sense. 
like these people live exactly the way that I do and I don't see really any difference in in their lives um although we were kids and whose kids you right. know what lives look different <laughs> but that's kind of I, I just yeah. decided I'm not wasting my time on this this is not real this is not anything that I want to do and you know my mom I'm sure she I didn't tell her this I just like kind of refused to go to church like I just wouldn't go and she like kind of let me not go because she was single and like that battle was probably really tough yeah and uh and I'm and I'm also like I look very innocent so I'm 40 years old and I look like I'm 28 <laughs> and, I'm here to back this up and back then when I was like 15, I looked like I was like 10 years old, like eight years old. Like that's kind of been like what I always looked like. So I'm sure she was looking at me. And now as a parent, as a mom, when I see 14 year olds that look 14, 15, I assume they're innocent. They just look like babies. Yeah. And I looked like even more of a baby. Right. So I'm just assuming that as a mom, she just literally had no clue what was going through my brain, that I would be processing things this way and that I would be thinking this deeply into things. And um, and when I said I didn't want to go to church, she was probably like, oh, crap. <laughs> it sucks. But I was very adamant about it. I was like, I'm not going because I don't want to and I don't want to waste my time and I don't believe in it. So anyway, fast forward to there was this girl who I'm still extremely close with today. So very close to all my Memphis friends. But one of them in particular really has been walking with Jesus since a very young age. And I don't mean like she's been Christian since a very young age and she got baptized and she did the whole youth group thing. I mean, she has actually physically been walking with Jesus since she was a kid, since I can remember. Yeah. And she still is today. And she's never veered off. Like I, I'm sure she has in her own mind, but I've never seen it. So she started talking to me. Like we weren't like that close, but we started to get close. And I would ask her to do like what the cool kids were doing. And she was like, no, nah, I'm good on that. And it like really was startling to me. Like, mm. who wouldn't want to do that? You know, who would want to do these things that we're doing? You know, we're, quote, the cool kids. <laughs> and, you know, which is funny because I didn't wear makeup and I wore slippers to school. So I don't know how I qualified. <laughs> <laughs> I'm very uncertain of how I qualified, but I just did. That was kind of my first like, okay, this person acts different. This person is different. So then my youth minister, who was like a drug lord in Chicago and got saved while he was actually high rides a Harley, has a beard, wears leather vests, like does not look like a youth pastor. Doesn't look like a youth pastor. He looks like he might kill you. No goatee. No, none of that. He, yeah, yeah, he does. Oh, <laughs> no, so he does sort of still look like a youth pastor. Kind of That's does. kind of like he the does. mark of a youth but pastor. It's kind of like a mark, but it's like scarier. Than yeah, that. yeah. It's like, it's, He's rough around the edges. Well, it's like, you know. He's not wearing eyes on. Yeah, you know? I went to Union and everybody does have like this certain look that there's like have to have these like weird hair and like all these things it, his is like for real like that and you can tell yeah because it's like a white one that's like got coffee stains in it you know what I'm saying? Like, it's like <laughs> so anyway i walked up to him one day he always came to our school and i i walked up to him and the church was three doors down from me and i said hey i think i might want to come to your, your youth group and he was like okay <laughs> and i went i just went and by myself and I didn't really know anybody and I just was asking like the hardest questions you've ever heard yes. you know and I love that he was like who is this I'm sure he was like what is happening I can't answer that <laughs> this is youth group girl we're talking about Noah's Ark and you're talking about like infinity and beyond yes. and like well, I, you know I'm not equipped to answer that so anyway we formed a great bond and me and he did my wedding and his wife we, we just formed a great bond and so anyway it was a, a very long process but in that process somewhere along the way I actually my like faith kicked in like it, it was never like I fully understood anything like I, I still none of my questions they got answered yeah. but like God just literally like changed who I was it, it was really interesting because it was 
very, a very drastic difference. And so God just like did these weird things. Like when I was in high school, like, so when I became a Christian, you know, Kevin asked me to speak, like to tell my testimony. And so I did. And there was like an 18 hour altar call. It had to go into the next night and everybody from like my high school got saved. (laughs) And like, and then I remember I, I wanted to do this prayer thing. And so I was like, told all everybody, let's go pray. And, um, in the foyer and granted, I didn't know anything about God. Like I didn't know much. Like I, I just knew I met him. I was different. And that's literally, that's what I knew. I will never forget. It was in the breezeway. And I went to a big, I graduated with hundreds and hundreds of people. And, um, so we had, we had a big school and literally hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of kids. And I did not go to a Christian school were there praying. And it was just so amazing. And then I started speaking at churches around the U S and like, it, it was just kind of this wild moment where God was like, you are such a clean vessel for me right now. And you don't know literally anything. You don't know how to talk you're, like you're supposed to. You don't know what you're saying. And so I'm going to speak through you. Obviously, that ended. I did not turn out to be like Beth Moore. But anyways, it was just this wild wild kind of thing. So I went to Union. I majored in Christian studies and learned all the things and got very turned off. I was too new of a Christian to be doing that. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I was just too new. I had only been a Christian for a year and a half, let's say. And I go to the school and it's like, it's like all this stuff, like all this I don't even know, like religion. It's just, yeah. Can you read the Bible and Greek and Hebrew? Can you do these things? And I didn't realize it then, but it shifted me in a way that, you know, um, I just, I just didn't know. You can cry it out. Tears are very welcome here on Coffee with Kaylee. Oh, um, so I'm so sorry. No, don't so, be. Anyway, I, I've never cried about this portion of my walk before, which is, I don't think I've ever talked about it, but, um, anyway, I, it's, it had such a great life moving forward, like in the world's mind, like, you know, I've got a good job and then I got into design and it blew up and all these different things and and meanwhile like I was reading I was doing all these things but something shifted for me that it was it was kind of permanent and so or it felt permanent because it was a long time and then um I'm gonna fast forward because I had all these different things happen in in my in my walk but basically I, I did Lauren Aiken's home and um Thomas Rhett's home and we had a lot of conversations about her home and, you know, it's a big home and expensive home. If you're hiring me, your home is expensive. Let's just yeah. say what call, it is. Call it like it is. That's why April hasn't done ours. <laughs> but someday, yeah, someday, someday, someday. And so anyway, but the soul of that house, the soul of that house yeah. is God. It really is like, there's never a time that I, that I go over there that there's not 30 people there. Yeah. Literally it's for real. Like, yeah, always, <laughs> always at all times. I could pop over on like a Tuesday at nine 30 mm-hmm. and there'd be 30 people there you know me and lauren had developed a friendship a very close friendship with our girls our girls are very close in age and they're you know but it was mainly about our girls and so i went to her i was i I was felt like i was being like attacked like like satan was like living in my home and there was nothing bad happening there i just there were some weird things going on in my house and i was just like kind of got scared i was a little scared and of course i know how to pray it out and do all those things but I, i i told lauren i was just like hey I know you have your Bible study and whatever, but I, no, actually, I'm, I'm sorry. She brought to me, she was just like, I just feel like we should be like praying together or something. I was like, I agree. And I, and I really need to do this. So I kind of pushed on it for like a year. And then it was like, okay, this, this is what we're going to do. And none of the people in the prayer group, I, I really knew that well, none of them, literally one of them, I think I'd met 
when we went to her house. So one Friday night, close to Christmas, I'm sitting at Lauren's house, which I had designed this specifically for this reason. I remember these conversations where it was just like, I want this air of the living room to be like more conversational where we can pray, where we can do these things. So now I'm sitting in that portion of the living room <laughs> yeah. that I had designed and we're all about to pray. And I'm like, I mean, I'm just, I'm so used to pretending like I'm walking with God Wow. that like, how am I going to tell these people that I don't even know that in fact, like I have not deeply like been spending time with him or I don't even know. I feel uncomfortable talking to him. And I just broke. I mean, I'm telling you, I broke. I think they were all like, oh my gosh. I remember Thomas wrote walking out of the bedroom and turning right back around and going right back <laughs> in the bedroom. <laughs> like, yeah, I'm not going to come out for that. Yeah. That's, that looks very intense. And so that was over a year ago. And, um, and my walk has totally went back to understanding and spending time with Jesus like I used to. And it's just sad. It's sad that it got disrupted by religion. And it's mm-hmm. it's sad to me that it got disrupted because people think that Christianity and Jesus are these things that it is not. It is not like that. And it makes me so mad. I get so mad when I hear it even talked about. I like will literally like reject it. I'm like, nope, that is mm-hmm. that is religion. And, you know, Jesus is has such a stark contrast to that. You know what I mean? That is not who he is. That is like so pharisaical. And that is so, yes. you know, he does not he spoke about this, you know, that's who the Pharisees were. And and that's not who he is, you know. And so today, I'm so happy to say that, you know, I am I have a relationship with God. And, you know, and I have a walk with God that I, I mean, I wake up all the time at night, and I just, you know, talk to him. And that's kind of how I spend my time with God. And of course, I read and do those things. But it's just I've just learned to be like, I don't care what it's supposed to look like. I don't care if you're supposed to have like the most highlighted Bible. I don't care <laughs> if you're supposed to have like, you know, all these different things. And and that is coming from I can read the Bible in Greek and Hebrew. And I majored in it. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, it's not, a, yeah. it's not I just don't. I just think that we as Christians have got to stop. You have no idea, like putting that out there in the world, like what it's doing to someone's like life when they're like, this is I'm now not walking with God anymore because I feel like I have to perform. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that was so many years that I lost that I wished that I did it. But now you get to speak to it. And yeah. and I felt so similar. Actually, we went Belmont required Bible classes. Yeah. And I watched the same thing happen to so many different people. But I actually didn't know this story. And I can say as a friend of yours who's been around, like there's been a shift in you in the last like a significant one yep. in the last couple of years. Yep. And it's been amazing to watch, but I just, I think I just, I don't know. I knew something happened, but I, I didn't really think to ask what happened. Yep. And thank you for telling that story. Like it's so beautiful. And I think people need to hear it. Yeah. I, I felt the same way. I felt very performative in my faith growing up and I was the youth pastor's sister, which might as well have been a pastor's daughter. And like, <laughs> yeah. I couldn't open up and I couldn't talk about stuff. And I was a lot like that friend of yours that like didn't go to parties and didn't get invited to parties because I was in the youth group and I did all of that. And I actually had a conversation with my niece recently that somehow by the grace of God, like the ability to say no was so empowering to me. Mm-hmm. I was like, this makes me different. Yeah. And I enjoyed it being like, no, I'm not going to drink at your party. Like, I don't know. There was something about it because she was talking about how like vaping right now is just like everyone is doing it. Right and, now? Oh, yeah. Like high schoolers. Fun oh, fact. Oh, no. Guys, guess what? I have what? a five-year-old. That's good. Yeah. And I was like, you know what? Like, and I didn't smoke in high school. It gave me so much pride. I don't know. Like to be like, you know what? I'm not going to be like that. Yeah. But in the same breath, 
my faith was based in what I did and didn't do. Yeah. And that's not, that's not sustainable. That's not, it's not relationship with Jesus. It's not. And you know, the, the key indicator of somebody walking with God in my mind is someone that is as loving as Jesus is. And he came to free us from everything, especially saving the world one friend at a time. You know what I'm saying? Like he freed us from that, meaning that we don't have to sit around and think about what other people are doing and how they're doing it and how that impacts. That's called judgment. And I I feel like a key indicator of Jesus and who he is and who he was is just love. And it's, and that's missing. It's missing. Yeah. I think we're so caught up in like a lot of Christians that I know, at least, are so caught up in looking a certain way, acting a certain way. Mm-hmm. And Politics. The, oh, everything. Lord, help us. And I think that the biggest indicator and the biggest change in the world is is love. And I struggle with that. Like, I really do. Like, I struggle with, like, being as loving as Jesus is. I mean, we all do. Not with kid, my kids. <laughs> my kids, are, I can do it pretty easily. Right. But, like, with everybody else, like, I, I really do. And, and not looking around and having, like, some sort of judgment some sort of thought and it's like he freed us from that we don't have to have a thought like he saved the world mm-hmm. do you know what i mean and if we're loving which is what he asked of us then you know that's it that's loving towards the homeless loving towards kids that don't have anything like i heard this thing the other day that i'm like deeply into the ukraine thing because i did my first mission trip in ukraine oh, wow. in kiev and kiev but when we were yeah. kids that's what we called it and now i say it that all the time and and i hated going to ukraine like i literally hated the whole experience like it was it was it was a small form of torture, honestly. Wow. <laughs> I was not equipped. I couldn't call my mom for like a very long time. That's scary. But How old were you? I was 18. So I okay. just become a Christian. And I, Kevin, my youth minister, got a kidney stone somewhere in France. So he didn't get to go with us. Like there were people with guns that asked for our passport. Like it was it was completely wild. They had just broken away. So it wow. was just, they were just been freed. And, and they looked like they had just been freed. Like there was no signs of emotion it's the first time i realized americans are really loud <laughs> yeah i was like we are so loud compared yeah. to everyone else here and <laughs> i mean we were eating like fishtails for breakfast it was awful it was literally for me like i would be lying if i was just like and it was just it was such a great experience yeah and i swear yeah. i would never go back but then I ended up in burkina faso like in college sometime and and preferred that actually and um, had to dig my own hole to poop in it but i preferred that over ukraine <laughs> i preferred it strongly to ukraine but now that ukraine is going through what it's going through it like shifted something in me and i was just like the reason why they're surviving is this is the strongest people i've ever met in real life and their strength back then scared me to death mm. because even the kids were stronger like the kids that we were watching that were much younger than i was they were stronger than me it was clear you know yeah. what i mean and um that's how they're surviving today i'm deeply invested in like i was watching something where it was like this little boy and i believe it had to walk over across the border by himself with nobody and so i've been really struggling with like what to do we're adopting i've been talking to ford i was like should we adopt a ukrainian kid how do we do this and i i, I saw this thing and it was just like you know change in the world is so easy because if you look at a story and it didn't mention the kid in ukraine but it's like if you if you look at a kid who's hungry and you think that breaks my heart then feed one kid maybe not that kid but feed one kid and it's just like that's it that is it you know and so i'm trying to figure out how do you do that Mm. because you know how do you find those kids how do you you know what i mean be interesting to see what god does because i've kind of put it out there like okay well you know obviously my heart is broken 
for what's going on yeah. and there's so many kids and it's like is that is that what i'm supposed to be doing i don't really know so and i see. love that you have the experience in knowing where they're from and what they've yeah. been through and as much as one can you yeah. know like you've actually been there yeah. aside from what's going on yeah i think that's so cool if he writes that story i'll be like well done i mean don't yeah. you ever do yeah. that don't you like watch him write a story and you're like wow yeah that's better than i could have ever imagined yeah I mean, it blows our, my mind, like the details and like, there's a verse that says he delights in the details of our lives yeah. in Psalms. And I just love that verse mm-hmm. because so many people think this is such a minor thing or like, why would God care about this? And that was something I struggled with, with, I'm like, well, there are kids all over the world that need to be fed. Why is this? This isn't a problem he needs to worry about. Yeah. And I always diminished my own stuff. Yeah. Being like, there's way more important things to do. Yeah. And he was like, I care about you just the same. Yeah. And even if, you know, it's something so silly as like a parking space when I was pregnant and it was like right at the front door. And I'm like, thank you, God. This is very nice. It's It's like, it's just such a minor detail that he delights in doing. Like now that I'm a real parent, I'm like, I get it. It's it's it, once you have kids you kind of get it a little bit more yeah you kind of get it a little bit more you're like you know kind of like wanting them to be tough so you're not willing to save them from everything yes you know what i'm saying and um but you don't want them to hurt yeah do you know the only reason that you'll let them tough it out is so that they can be okay yeah not so that they would hurt so it, it is apparent you you do totally get it and um and yeah and with my job you know uh, again like i i don't design for people doing diy things i design for people that have a lot of money that's yeah truth and i struggle with it you <laughs> yeah. know i struggle with it because how i design is so creative and i and i love it i deeply love it i love that i have the budgets to get to create it is art i love it i love it i love it i can't say it enough but i've struggled with it and my mentor who now is suzanne marinette because she's in my prayer group and we're out of our prayer group i'm actually closer to her age she's 50 than i am to the rest of the girls which is weird you i know? never would have thought that yeah i you know can kind of understand where she's at and so Anyway, a, a year ago when I really started walking with Jesus, I was like, how can I continue to do this extremely materialistic thing with my life? And she she was like, no, 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 no. She was just like, this is what God's called you to. You just have to figure out what. So, you know, one interesting thing is now, you know, people get really caught up. And I'm sorry if you're a client, you're listening to this, it's going to be hard for you to hear. But myself, like I married into someone that has money and it's a different world for me now. It's mm-hmm. like there is these things and what am I going to do with it? You know, yeah. it's not bad. It's just scripture's pretty clear about being rich and what yeah. that does to you. It's very black and white. Yeah. And it's very hard to read if you have money. Yeah. Because you're like, well, what am I su- what am I supposed to do? Just yeah, I'm like, can not- this camel fit through that eye of the needle? Oh, <laughs> what about this one? <laughs> can I be rich? Is that okay? <laughs> I don't know. And so, you know, it's interesting. And, and wait to be clear, like I remember hearing uh if if you're like, well, I'm not rich, I remember hearing a a sermon that was like, if you have a running refrigerator, you are in the top 2% of the world. 100%. So proceed. That uh, that applies to so many more of us than then I we think, think we realize. Yeah, keep it going. It absolutely does, especially if you go to Ukraine. <laughs> yeah. So anyways, one of the things that for me, and you know, you can think about this in your own home, is just like people get really stressed out about their homes. They're like, I mean, really, truly like life or death. I told someone that I was like, you would think that we're in the Pentagon (laughs) and we are the people that have been tasked with curing COVID. That is the stress level of many design firms today, because when you're dealing with clients who have a lot 
and expect a lot mm. and are used to being served in a certain particular sort of way, it can get really stressful and tricky. Yeah. And so what I have decided that God's role for me in design is, is to be a great designer. He is the master of design. He is truly the best designer yeah. of all time. If you go anywhere in the world and like open your eyes, you're like, wow, like this is where design comes from. This is what this is the inspiration for the house. Like it's it's really cool to think about. But one of the things that I feel like I have been put here to do is like, you know, I work with a lot of people with people that have a lot. I have a lot. It's kind of calling out like, I know that this feels like the thing that's going to make you happy. But I've seen a lot of people move into a lot of homes that are perfect, perfect. And I can tell down to the day almost if someone's truly happy or not because mm. either i get a phone call in a week that's like real pissy like mm. hey this button's not working and i'm like hey honey <laughs> you know of course there's one button in you know that house that's not you know you can calm down or people that kind of forget to call like i'll get a call like way later and they're like hey i haven't meaning to call you that couple things went wrong but i was just so overjoyed that i forgot to call yeah And so the point of it is, is like, you can get the house, you can get all the stuff, you can have me as your designer, you can have a closet organizer, you can walk up in there and pop a bottle and have your shoes all organized before you ever even step foot in the door. It does not make you happy. Yes. And I have seen it. It It doesn't. It really doesn't. It can really be great if you're already happy and you can service a lot of people through your home. And, um, but it does not make you happy. And so that's kind of, you know, I can create the most beautiful home in the world, but I really hope to encourage like my clients to be like, let's not pretend like this is going to be your happiness. Because if you think that it is, you're going to be heavily disappointed Mm -hmm. because it's not. Wow. I say the same thing on here all the time of like when I interview artists and like, at like, at what point is it enough? You know, like if you're expecting this career to fulfill you, it won't, it only takes from you. Yep. And so if you walk into it expecting this to be your happiness, you're going to be gravely disappointed and probably addicted to a list of things 100%. because you are expecting something to fulfill you that can't. Yeah. But if you walk into it fulfilled yep. and it's, it's a daily thing. It's not like I wake up and I'm like, I am full of the spirit of God every single day just because I believe like it's yep. an active, it's like pursuing your husband. It's, it's an active choice. Yep. And The more you have date nights, the more you make time for each other, the more connected you feel. It's just that simple. It's not as religious as everyone makes it of like, did you do your quiet time today? No, I didn't do it. I got a flat tire. God's mad at me. You're like, no, (laughs) no. And when you get that flat tire, say it is the enemy, right? I don't think it's that dramatic. I think Mm -hmm. you just ran over nail in the road. But if the enemy is coming at you, he's not coming for your tire. He's coming for your joy. Right. Anytime I felt attacked. He's not coming for the thing he's trying to take. He is coming for my joy. He's coming for my joy. He's coming for the life pouring out of me because if something can take that, then you walk down the street and people are like, I don't care to have what she has. She's not any more free than I am. That's right. Coming for my freedom. That's right. Coming for from all of that. Yep. And I'm like, he doesn't care about your tire. No. My dad sometimes, love you, dad. But like if he drops his phone in water or something, he was like, the enemy. And I was like, dad, he doesn't care about your phone. No. He don't. This is not an attack from the enemy. You threw your iPad in the washer and dryer. That is on you. That is is 100% a choice. Or maybe you're just too busy and you need to reevaluate. Yes. Yes. 
do some more crossword puzzles, maybe. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> do some more Wordles. I got Wordle in one try the other day, by the way. I don't even know what Wordle it is. Uh, you're too busy for it. I'm too busy I, for I, I'm like, I'm always like, I'm busy, but then I do Wordle, and I'm like, you're not too busy. <laughs> if you if you can do Wordle, you're not too busy. <laughs> if you can check Instagram, you're not too busy. Uh, then I'm not too busy, because I do check it. Not as much as people would think, but I do. It is no secret how much I love my coffee. That's why I'm so excited to tell you about one of my new fave subscriptions, Trade Coffee. Trade Coffee sends you freshly roasted coffee from the country's best craft roasters right to your front door and as often as you like. Their coffee is ethically sourced, so when you buy from Trade Coffee, you're supporting local and independent coffee roasters. Everyone has different tastes, so the coffee I like may totally differ from the kind that you like to drink. But the experts at Trade Coffee have taste-tested thousands of coffees and have selected over 450 of the best bags to find your perfect cup. This is why Trade Coffee is so confident in matching you with a bag of coffee that you'll love that even if you don't like it, they will send you a brand new bag for free. Just answer a few short questions and they'll help you find the perfect coffee for you. Right now, Trade is offering new subscribers a total of $30 off your first order plus free shipping when you go to drinktrade.com slash CWK. That's more than 40 cups of coffee for free. That is exciting. <laughs> Get started by taking their quiz at drinktrade.com slash CWK and let Trade find you the coffee that you'll love. That's drinktrade.com slash CWK for $30 off. Now back to April. Okay, before we go, let's do a little rapid fire. Interior design. Interior design. Yeah, this was so much better than I ever expected. I'm so thankful that you came and like, this is, this was a real coffee with Kaylee because if we sat down to have coffee, this is what we would talk well, about. For sure. And then I'd be like, wait, April, can you like walk through my house real quick? Give me some tips. <laughs> and you said you don't do DIY, but you have been very kind to us. And because we're friends, yes. I'll be like, April, um, what do you think? Uh, yes. <laughs> you'll be like this, this, that. And it's always at like 10 PM after you've put your kids down yeah. and worked out and like you're superhuman. I don't understand. But anyway, you do do that. And I I appreciate that even though i'm not one of your high paying clients <laughs> but someday we might get to build a house together that's who knows right. that's amazing so if you already have a home and i can imagine like you know if it's not like newly built i'll, I'll address because everybody lives in a different type of scenario and i have different advice for those people so if you are living in let's say an apartment or if you're living in a smaller older home and you're like how do i just do a quick like run through of my home I would say that the most important thing that you can do, um, I had mentioned this early, is try to figure out how far you're willing to go. Like, are you willing to paint? Because if you are, that can drastically change. So a lot of people ask me about paint and what my favorite white paint is. So that is not the point. Almost everybody's trim paint is white, but it's a different type of white. <laughs> so you need to find out what white that is. And then that's what you would paint your walls because a lot of the older trim is the most expensive thing to paint. Trim, doors, all that is very hard to paint as if you're willing to paint it yourself and you're good at it. And if you like have carpet and you're like scared, you could just pick your trim color. And if your trim's pretty good, that's the color white that I would go with. If you're going to paint all your trim, um, Snowbound has been like one of my favorite. I was saying Greek Villa there for a while and then I realized wow like this is a strategic like if you have white tile up against greek villa like if you have to carry it into your bathroom it does look a little yellow so i when i use greek villa it's to like warm up the place but i have to literally do everything yeah. around that and that's just not realistic for most people that so snowbound is like this really pretty you know softer white that i really love and i've done it with like white tile and it's really really pretty so i would say paint the second thing is is just editing. If you can edit your home, 
I prefer instead of having like stuff everywhere to just have stuff that you love. So a lot of people like when they're approaching a bookshelf or their coffee table or just whatever they're approaching, they put just like whatever they can find up there, like (laughs) all these little small things. So for me, it can be really simple. It can be some coffee table books or some books that you love that you read mixed with like some ceramics and some picture frames. And that's literally like, that's it. So we obviously like make ceramics, but they're, and they're hand-thrown and they're expensive because they're hand-thrown. But you can also just get onto Amazon and like type in like clay pot and, yeah. you know, things like that and just find lookalikes. Um, you know, if you can support local and like find people that are making these things, I think it's really important if you can afford it. There is a value to that because when you lose your makers, you lose all of it, honestly. And so yeah. um, it's really important to support that. But if, if you can't afford it, you can do, go onto Amazon and type in like clay pots or type in stoneware or type in concrete. Um, sometimes I'll use like outside pots for the inside. Yeah. And uh, that are just like these little gray pots or black or whatever, but they look kind of old. So when I'm like doing bookshelves, coffee tables, all these different types of things, I edit it down. Like I don't do like little tiny little baby things. It's going to be like a stack of books with like a pot on it. And that might be centered on the shelf. That's it. And then on the next shelf above it, it might be like a piece of art. You can like make your own art. Mm-hmm. You can go to antique stores and find art that's like really affordable and um, do like a piece of art with just like two books and that's it. Maybe some like antique like candlesticks, but you just edit down and then go back with like really intentional, minimal, simple things. When you're working on a budget, like minimal and simple is better. So you try to buy bigger things and fewer of them. Yeah. And then like the same for like your coffee table. It either just like you could just keep it blank and not have all that stuff on it. Or you could just have like three stacks of coffee table books and that's it. And like a candle and a coaster. Side tables, the same thing. You could have like nothing on them that sometimes that looks better or just one plant or that's like bigger or like two coffee table books and two candlesticks and a tiny picture frame and that's it. So editing your home is is very, very important and putting it back. I am like loving. I wasn't like this. I didn't understand. I was too poor to understand (laughs) this concept. So when I first started out, like in my design career 11 years ago, it was everything new. I felt like I needed it new because I just wasn't raised that way. I didn't, I didn't fully understand stuff that they don't like teach you in school or anything. So now I understand like this collected way of living. So today what I'm doing is there are things that I love like art. And so I'm starting to like slowly collect things and have things that I really love that I will never get rid of. And then as you're growing, like if I'm talking to someone and you're in their twenties, like you can get everything off of Minted and Amazon and like do it the cheap way, but like try to find one thing that you really love, like an artist or like an antique or something that you're like, I love it so much. I can't ever imagine the day that I'm going to get rid of it and then carry it through. And then the next year, get one more thing. It might be small and then carry it through. And then when, by the time you're my age, you're gonna have all these things Like I'm building a house and there are things that I'm taking with me for sure. Yeah. When I'm designing for people, I realize they don't have anything that they care about. Like they'll get rid of all of it because it doesn't mean anything to them. You know what I mean? Oh, wow. And that's the generation that we're in. It's like all new all the time. It's it's hard to design a collected home when it hasn't been collected. Yeah. You know, so I love to hear people that are like, like I bought this uh, dining room table from the 1800s. I love it. And it's going with me. I literally designed my house around it, but that thing is going with me. I can switch the chairs, whatever. But, um, and it can be really small, like a really small piece of art, something like that. So I would challenge like if you're younger to start collecting, you know, 
to be really intentional about like collecting things that mean something to you. And how amazing would that be to pass on? Yeah. Like I had this in my apartment when I was in my twenties and went to my home when I met my husband and it was in your home the entire time you grew up and here it is, you can have it, you know? Yep. And because we were poor, I didn't have anything passed down to me. You know, my husband did. So it's, it's also been kind of sad. Like, you know, I think my mom is the greatest human being in the whole entire planet. Yeah. It just wasn't her reality. Yeah. So I'm trying to make it mine. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? To where it's not like, you know, well, this is, you know, from one side and then you get nothing from, right. <laughs> from the other side. They're so not going to care. Like I, I have stuff from both sides and some more from another. And I don't, I don't think about it. Like a hundred percent. And so I'm trying to do that. Just like leave, you know, leave some stuff behind from my, from my life. And so I think that's really important. Um, a couple of like things that I do. Etsy is huge for me. So I use Etsy for pillows because I can find like really expensive fabrics. And then I'm like, oh yeah, I don't have to make this pillow custom. I wonder if they've already done it on Etsy for like half the price. Yeah. And I'll look up that particular fabric and I'll like, or search it on Etsy and it'll be there. It'll crazy. Etsy is great. Etsy's great for art. Etsy's great for pillows. Etsy's great for like antique rugs. Etsy's great for lighting. There's this one shop that I use like Huey's lighting shop or something like that. They've got really cool ceramic lights. Etsy's a huge, huge player. Um, even for me when I'm designing a however many I love that dollar home. Yeah. We still are using Etsy. Some of my favorite paint colors to go with like the snowbound. There's this paint. I started talking about it on a podcast a couple years ago and then Hoover paint, like we had to call to get it. And he was just like, is this April Tomlin? And one of my girls was like, no, this is, you know, one of her designers. And they were like, we have people call all over the U S for this paint and we've been shipping it out all over the U S. <laughs> I, this is not like a it's paint. amazing. This is not a paint that I created with Hoover Paints. This is a paint that I created like just because I needed it for a store actually, and I loved it so much that we've been using it. And apparently, like a lot of other people have too. <laughs> but so what you do is you call Hoover Paints in Nashville, Tennessee, and you ask for ATI Taupe, and that's like a thing. They know about it, and they will ship it to you. So that's like one of my favorites. Sandbar is another favorite of mine right now. These for are, everywhere for cabinets for cabinets interior doors is okay. essentially. I am doing rooms in ATI Taupe. When I'm trying to like cozy up a bedroom or something like that, I am doing full rooms in ATI Taupe, but not like your living room, I wouldn't really say. Greens. Greens are really big for me right now. Greens are really big in general. And so like Acacia Haze, that's something I used in Lauren's home. Acacia Haze and uh, Honed Soapstone are like two of my favorites right now in the greens. So I'm really like loving the greens. So again, cabinets, probably not interior doors, but those are, you know, kind of some some go-to colors that I've been using. But I would say that those are like my best tricks is um, are those types of things. And then I'm really loving like antique lamps and it just to make it feel like instead of buying like a really expensive, like, sorry, crate and barrel, but a really expensive crate and barrel lamp, yeah. like I'm really going after like antique lamps mm-hmm. that are beautiful and mixing them with all things new. Yeah. So that's been like something that we've been doing lately that I, that I really love. So tell our friends where they can get to an expert experience. Cause I actually bid on this full circle yes. <laughs> during home street home. Yes. You, I could bid on you doing a consult with me, Yes, even though you probably would have done it regardless yes. but i i was like you know what this is a great cause i this is something i totally want yep and it was amazing and you actually bid on russell's lyrics I like did. we could and have I just traded we could have just traded <laughs> but and now I, we but help that, our homeless friends here in nashville so it's worth it that's yeah. exactly right um and now i have his lyrics in my kitchen because that was our wedding song so, so um y'all were just starting you yeah. even toured one time uh, we, yeah we were actually on tour that's why we had to mi- it w- miss, miss the wedding the wedding i was like i'm so sorry we can't be there yeah 
And so anyway, but it was still our wedding song. And so I bid on it. And uh, anyway, the expert is like this genius idea by um, a California designer, Jake Arnold, and his um, partner that I think if I heard the story correctly, he's like some Silicon Valley guy, super smart probably to pull this off. So this idea of like, okay, he was going through his inbox and was like, oh my gosh, you could ask so many questions as do I. So I Uh, That is a definite true statement. I can't get to all of them. I can't even get to one of them, really. Right, right. It's just a a ton of questions. So um, he was just like, we should monetize this. And so he created this thing called The Expert, where you can get on a Zoom call. So they they first started off, like, um, seeking out, like, designers. And you had to be asked. And so I was, like, in the first batch that had to be asked. But... They determine your rate on the expert. And so mine is high. It's one of the higher ones. And it's based off your waiting list. So we have a really high waiting list. Obviously, Amber Interiors, like people like that. But guys, if you can't afford that, if you can, I'm really good on the expert. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> I, I deeply invest into those these houses. One lady did like 10 with me out in California. And like I did, did her whole house, basically. But what I love about the expert is there are other designers on there that maybe don't have like the social media, but that does not mean that they are not incredible right. designers. So it's based off your waiting list and your demand. It's not based off your talent necessarily. You know, there are expert people on there, uh, expert designers on there that have a much lower rate and you can call and you zoom with them. You need to be very prepared, have all your questions, you know, but yeah. they'll do your furniture. They'll do kitchen layouts, like, draw, you know, like kind of tell you what to do. Yeah. So it's, it's it's a great idea. It's a great Genius. idea. It, it is so good. And so, so yeah, I feel like there's, you know, different price points on the expert, which was what I love. Yeah. You know, I'm happy to be at the higher one. Like, I'm not going to be like, you know what, I'm going to do it for less. But I always tell people there are other people on there other than me. And if you just simply cannot afford you know, yeah, that what and a genius idea. It's so smart. It just look up their Instagram. If you like their work, that's, you know, make sure it's their work. Lots yeah. of designers that post other people's work. It really makes me mad because when I scroll through, I'm not paying attention to yeah. if it's yours or not. So what I've come to find out, like all on our Instagram, it's all ours. Yeah. But like on some that it's not. So you kind of got to dig in and make sure is that your work or somebody else's yeah. because I want to pay for on the expert for like your work and I need to see it first. That is a good tip. Yeah. There's a lot yeah. of times I follow people that I'm like, oh, that looks amazing. I was like that. But April did that house. Yeah. And then I'm like, oh, they gave her credit. But like but it takes reads, a second. Yeah. That? I'd be like, oh, wow. Beautiful kitchen. I'm like, excuse me, April did that kitchen. <laughs> it, it's, it's kind of wild. Yeah. It's kind of wild. So, and I think it's smart for them. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not the dumbest thing that No, <laughs> no, it's not. But it also is like misrepresentative of what you're paying for. So mm-hmm. if you're going to pay for it, just make sure you know what their actual work is and that you're, you're getting what something that you like. Yeah. But I think it's great. I think it's a great option. I love that. And it's approachable. So you don't have to live here in Nashville. No. To get help from our girl, April. Nope. And you don't have to be friends with her. You can. Nope. You became friends with her today, though. <laughs> yes, you did. And I don't work with all celebrities who possibly like, do I have to be a celebrity? I'm like, oh my gosh, no, we have so many clients. Yeah. You know, it's just people get laser focused in on those clients. Yeah. So, well, I love you. Thank you for not only sharing your expertise, but like your heart and your story. Like that was so beautiful and powerful. Very honored Very to have honored you. to be here. Oh, I love you. Thanks for joining us, guys. We'll talk to you next week. All right, guys, next week we have a fresh face on the country music scene and our tour mate, Brayland. Y'all are not going to want to miss this. We talk about his incredible journey to get here, how God guided his path, and the powerful story behind his name. All right, talk to you next week.